Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, everyone, and welcome into Attacking Third, a CBS Sports soccer podcast. It's the World Cup edition. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Join tonight alongside Lisa Carlin and Jordan Angeli, analysts for CBS Sports. And on today's show, we're going to chat a recap of the United States women's national team. They pull off. A 1-1 draw. Come from behind. We got to talk about how this all happened. But first, got to check in because we're on a we're on a late night Southern Hemisphere schedule. How's everyone feeling tonight? Jordan, how you doing? Lisa, how you doing? I um, I think my eyes are watering. It's 1130 <laughs> on the East Coast. And um, yeah, up early to watch games, up late to watch games. Uh, this World Cup might just dominate us all you know just with yep. this time this time i yep. am i am I'm crying i think as we speak yeah i might be a little bit delirious i actually don't know how i'm still running right now yeah but i don't know how are, this is still going we are running I'm, I'm actually pretty fired up after that game because let's do it i was, I was a little upset um, energy going to talk about it. Energy. You have some I, Lindsay Horan energy. I love it. I love it. We're bringing a little bit of that onto tonight's recap pod. Thanks everyone for joining us. We want to shout you out as always because well, even though we're tired, you're here coming through for us and you're ready to hear what we have to say. We also just want to remind you that we're nominated for our Best Female Hosted Podcast category in the People's Choice Podcast Awards and we appreciate every time you hop on and listen and join us. We hope you enjoy the content that we do enough to go ahead and nominate us to advance into the final round. So to nominate Attacking Third, go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. Toggle down to the sports category and go ahead and vote for us. The whole process takes less than 60 seconds. And we've included a link in all of the episode description. So find it and click it and vote for us. And another reminder, you can find us on Golasso Network. Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays at 4 p.m. Eastern for free on Paramount Plus, Pluto TV, CBS Sports app, cbssports.com. Get all of your Golasso Network World Cup news with us. Let's start with the starting 11 because we're better to start 
than reactions to the lineups. Jordan, I'm going to go to you first. Lisa, please follow. I don't know if we have a whole lot to react to because we didn't get a ton of changes in this lineup. I will say my initial reaction to this, knowing that there wasn't going to be a Lavelle or a Williams in that starting 11, I said, hey, that's a little bit of a flex to have coming off of the bench. But let me get your thoughts first, Jordan. Yeah. I love that you you popped that into our group chat. And I was like, you, you're very right with that, Sandra. I was very surprised that it was unchanged. I, I do think yeah. that there is a reaction to this, this lineup and this starting 11. Because going into that first game, there were it, it was going to be the weakest game of the group. And everybody knew that. So who were you going to allow to start? Were those going to be players you just wanted to get some minutes under their belt? Were you going to show one thing and then in the next game be able to do something a little bit different? No. Vlatko was like, this is who I like. I'm going to go with it again. And we had a really fun conversation on attacking third on Galazzo Network today about the about Julie Ertz and where she would play. And and I said, I didn't think Vlatko was going to start her. And it wasn't that I, I wouldn't have started Julie Ertz. So I'm a Bronco. Of course, I'm going to start my Bronco. I just didn't think Vlatko had it in him to start her again and keep things switching up the way that it seems that they were switching up. But now, Lisa, I feel like we know what he thinks. Is he thinks he's a, she's a center back and she's going to start every game next to Naomi Germa until those two need to be broken up, which I don't know if they're going to be. I mean, the fact that... Yeah, we got the exact same starting lineup, mind-blowing to me. I never guessed that in a million years. Um, I kind of get why, like, right? Like, maybe this is his A squad and this is what he's going with. But that's incredibly shocking that Savannah DeMello, who didn't get called into a camp until the roster was named for this World Cup, she didn't have a cap to her name until the send-off series, she ends up starting back-to-back World Cup games for the United States, the first two in which they need to establish themselves and and set the tone for the tournament. Um, I I think she did pretty well in fact of it. It has nothing to do with her abilities and the talent that DeMello brings onto the pitch. It's more so that what does that say about like how he's developing these players and bringing them in throughout the year, right? Remember Taylor Korniak? Like she was in the mix for a while and Ashley Sanchez has been in the mix. We have yet to see a number of players at this world cup. The fact that he only made one rotation in this game is like the most mind boggling thing to me. One sub at the halftime and that's it. So is this the squad he wants to go 90 with moving forward? Like I I have so many questions about this. I don't know. Sandra, what do you think? I know you said the flex about uh, Roosevelt on the bench, but this 11 that you saw roll out there, you liked it. What are you thinking? I hear you 100 percent on what you're what you're spitting right now with with is is this or is this not the ideal starting eleven? And for a second there, it kind of felt like, okay, maybe maybe this is what it's going to be moving forward. Not only is it the second uh, game of the group, but it is by far the biggest match of the group in terms of the, the rival, your direct rival to the number one spot and winning the group. Your direct rival in terms of the challenge that you're going to face uh, from from an opposition in this group. So. I was looking for that ideal starting 11, but I don't know. And I guess we are all in agreement that we aren't sure if this is quite it. We were looking for those rotations and and maybe we were going to, you know, would we or would we not see a start from Rose Lavelle specifically? 
everything coming out of some of these um, organized pressers before the game's coming out. Rose Lavelle sitting with with Vlad Gwendanowski, and you've got media saying, oh, surely she's going to start. Yes. And I'm like, guys, come on. Like, if that, whoever if, out that there. Was, if that was the recipe, then we would have seen O'Hara start, right? Or we yeah. would have seen where to start. These are players that also have been in front of the mic and on the camera, you know, before going into a game. And I, I was not of the, of the same party where it's like, oh, Lavelle is speaking to media, so she's going to start. Uh, I figured we would see her, and I was hopeful that we would see her for 45, and even hopeful that we'd see her for her first 45. But we now know that she was going to come in off of the bench. I'm with you in terms of Williams as, as well. I thought these were the two players that we were going to see rotated in. But everything that we heard leading up to this match, the fact that every single player was participating in trainings and practice leading up to this game. The fact that it was, um, you know, a Tuesday to what is now a Wednesday or a Wednesday to Wednesday or a Friday to Wednesday match, that there was enough days in between for rest and recovery and preparation. It just sort of felt like everything that we were hearing coming into this, that there was a possibility that we might not see rotation, but I think hoping against hope we were going to see some things, but we didn't. We saw a second consecutive starting 11 and going up against that this is lineup. The, that is the the last time that the U.S. started consecutive games in a World Cup group stage with the same starting 11 was in 1999. That's wild. That's wild. I guess you got to try to stand out some kind of way if you're a head coach. I don't know if this is the way I would have wanted Vlad Godinovsky to do it. It felt like at times during this game, because we're going to get into it now, it felt like at times during this match that there was clearly a difference in approach from from coaches here. And nearly, nearly, Andonowski nearly getting out coached in this game quite early uh, in the match. It's it's tough, though, because I think if you run things back on a replay, and that's one thing about this team, is when you go back and look at highlights and things like that, it's not nearly as bad as it feels in the, in the moment. And I think going back a little bit and trying to reflect quickly, even though we're doing this in instant reaction, that opening 15 minutes had a lot of promise. I think, Jordan, what do you you think in terms of what we saw from this team to open things up before that 17th minute goal comes? Yeah, I I think there was a lot of promise early on in the U.S. Nearly get a goal, it seemed like. I can't remember who it was, Rodman maybe or – um, oh, DeMello, I thought DeMello had, oh, it was DeMello's chance. She yeah. gets on the end of it and it just deflected her and Morgan kind of get across their wires there. But it was a good buildup from the U.S. I, I thought that the United States started well and they brought the energy they needed to to start well. What I think was difficult for them and it proved to be difficult through the whole entire game. And this is something I talked about a lot throughout the week is how are they going to match this really aggressive structure for the Netherlands where they almost play uh, a three, one, four, two, or really they they'll drop one of those two attacking forwards into the midfield. It was Martins a lot in this game. So they're constantly, they have four players in the middle of the field. It's always outnumbering the three for the U S and they have their wing backs and they have a forward. And they were doing that time and time again. And it was that space next to Andy Sullivan. And yeah, I think everybody's going to look at this game, especially in the first half and say, well, Andy Sullivan stuck out like a sore thumb. I thought she was not in the right place at the right time. There was a lot of space around her, but you have to look at the way that us was set up. They're set up to have a lot of space around her. So they didn't really set her up to succeed. I think they didn't adjust 
to helping her until later in the game or later in that first half. And by then it was too late because the Netherlands has already picked off the, those spaces on the half turn. That's where their goal comes from in that space right next to Sullivan before they switch the point of attack. So that was going to be the space that hurt the United States. And it proved right because they, the Netherlands struck first and it was just a scramble from there. And also, I don't know if you felt this too, Sandra, but I felt like Crystal Dunn's positioning gave me flashbacks from 2019 when everybody was talking about Crystal Dunn's positioning. I think she was out of position a lot in the first half, a lot in the first half. And she hasn't been playing outside back. So we don't see those issues when you're playing Wales Northern, or Ireland. Some of these teams that they've been playing where Dunn has been playing outside back, they're not going to present the problems that the Netherlands are. That's going to be something they're going to – Yeah, she's going to have to rein back in. Yeah, you're exactly right on the transition. That's how the Netherlands punished the United States because, um, Sandra, you're right. The first 10, 12, 13 minutes, I'll give them, had a lot of promise for the United States swarming defensively. Um, they, they were – all over the place with the high counter press. They were in there attacking into the field, but all it takes is one transition moment from the Netherlands, one pass into Martins, who's dropped into the forward for the Netherlands that dropped into the midfield right alongside in the same parallel line as Andy Sullivan. And Andy Sullivan stepped so hard to her. And it was at the halfway line that Martins just one touch and she gets past Sullivan. And then she's got, acres of green in front of her that she can just run she gets in behind uh, one of the biggest um, weakest points of the United States throughout the entirety of this game was their second balls they were oh, not so bad. winning any second balls whether they were 50 50 challenges here. in the middle in the middle of the field whether they were attacking moments where they get a shot on goal and there's an opportunity for a follow-up. They weren't there. And the defensive clearances, they'd get the header on the initial ball or a foot on the initial ball. And they, no one was challenging the second ball. Second balls throughout this entire game for the U S were abysmal bad. Yeah. I think it was uh, looking at this. We're going to compare, obviously it's going to, it's going to come out in this episode. We're comparing the two halves because in this first half, it, it left a lot to be desired, right? I think, Jordan, you're making a, a good point on, on Don and, and Lisa, you know, in terms of what we were seeing in, in the midfield. I, I think, you know, Don, Sullivan, there were a couple players here where you were kind of looking at and saying, okay, wh what's the decision-making going on here? <laughs> what's going to be that next step? But, and I think that 50-50 that balls stat is kind of the biggest, most glaring stat out, out of that first half I think you see this team in moments getting in involved in, in the final third trying to to get into some creative spaces and, and create some dangerous chances but then we see the opening goal come it happens in the 17th minute and it takes literally half a second for this to come to life by the Dutch at least I'm going to go to you first on this because you know we love to chat all about defense and all things defensive things on this channel and we didn't we didn't see the response in terms of the build-up on this play from defense what did you see um yeah wait what play are we talking about Sandra we're talking about that opening goal 
Oh, okay. On their goal, their yes. opening goal. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, it's We're all tired. Nearly the hours. Yeah, I mean, defensively, they didn't step to the ball. I mean, Andy Sullivan stepped centrally in the midfield, and it was one touch that got past her. And then as this ball is, is bouncing around, if you go back and watch the replays, the Netherlands do a great job of switching the point of attack when they're already, like, at the 18. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily planned. I think their crosses were meant to be a bit more intentional in those moments. However, they're there to clean up the mistakes so they don't look like mistakes. It's the off-ball movement for them that's tracking down the ball that's overhit or underhit and being able to keep it alive. And in this moment, the U.S. is ball watching and they go like this looking from one side to the other side and running to the other side of the 18 yard box and that's when it's a beautiful ball back right to the top of the box for Jill Roard and the U.S. in the slow motion replays of this goal are collapsing in on her after the ball's already left her foot she hits it through traffic it finds the back of the net but why isn't she marked up that was the thing. As the ball switched from one side to the other, yeah. the players were caught ball watching. And their forwards that they were supposed to be marking did a great job of creating space. The Netherlands were doing that. They were taking a couple steps off their defenders, recycling their runs. And back post was open, two or three players, and roared at the top of the box wide open in those yeah. moments. There- I think it was less like they were ball watching. And if you – I think what you're saying here, Lisa, is they actually, it was a domino effect because Sullivan was out of the play. So then the next player had to come up. It was Gurma who stepped into space, Dunn tucked way too far in. And then they were scrambling again from that because of those mistakes. So it was like the decision-making in those moments was not the proper decision-making. And therefore it looked like how the heck are these players open when really they were scrambling to get back into the right position because they had made a number of just aggressive mistakes mm-hmm. moment after moment. And yeah, that those aggressive mistakes or like the aggressive stepping that they were doing to the ball in the first 10 minutes was working. Trony Rodman almost picks it off the goalkeeper in yeah, a moment. Yes. And it was working when it was organized, right? We had the three forwards in Smith, Morgan, and Rodman pressuring the Netherlands back three. It was like man marking them, putting them under pressure. Savannah DeMello and Lindsay Horan sitting on that double pivot six mm-hmm. for the Netherlands, picking off the passes. There was a moment that almost looked like my exact breakdown where I was like, they're going to win this ball and they're going to go score a goal yes. and I am going to be a genius. The U.S. Yeah. was doing that when they were in their the final like 30 yards, 40 yards of their attacking end of the field. But then they were trying to apply that same type of aggressive pressure when they're at the midfield line. And you can't do that when you don't have that many players behind the ball because it just opens up all the spaces behind. This was, I love what you said about the domino effect on this goal, Jordan, because I did, I did try to like replay the goal at least before hopping on here and and getting live. And it really did look like that down to where you see Nair, kind of that last line of defense. You you even see like so many bodies in this box. It almost is like it kind of blocks some of her view and she guesses correctly on this shot and leans the right way, but it's just, it's clinical finish and it's just through, through the net and now they're playing behind. And it's some, it's this type of, I don't want to say it was demoralizing, but it almost, kind of sucked away some of that good karma that they were starting to build for the United States in that opening 15 minutes because again it just happened so so quickly this team goes from connecting combining man marking poaching 
And then all of a sudden we see Netherlands on the board and it almost kind of sucks the energy out of it a little bit. And it was very interesting to sort of hear from Ertz specifically kind of say, you know, we just needed to get to the half. And it yeah, kind of that was our rang goal. off a little bit of an alarm for me. And I'm like, this goal only happens in the 17th minute of the first half. And as a team, you felt like you needed to get to the half. Like there's a little bit of I don't know if she's speaking right after the goal, but it was the next 20 minutes, as Lisa yeah. said, they weren't winning the second ball. So it was like the Netherlands kept this momentum going. And I think when that started happening, then Julia Ertz is wise enough to say, okay, guys, yeah. we got to lock this up and we got to make it to halftime because clearly something is wrong. You start them to see them pull Lindsay Horan deeper. So then it was more of a double pivot for a little bit. Uh, Naomi Gurma was going in with the forward at times instead of Crystal Dunn pushing up with that forward. So they were making these adaptations on the fly, but it wasn't the solution. And I feel like at halftime, they looked a lot better um, with how they were dealing with some of those different uh, rotations. Julie Ertz kept the United States in the game throughout the first half, winning aerial duels, uh, being uh, being able to step hard on her defender and the physicality in this game was was nuts. I was like, where are the yellow cards? They're not coming, and there's yeah. so many physicality. I was nervous that the game was going to get away from the referee and there would be injuries. Luckily, that did not happen throughout this game. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll have more to say about some of this officiating in the, in the second half. We've got more to talk about, including a bit of a second half turnaround for this United States side. We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, let's chat a little bit about how this team turn things around felt like by the time it came to the second half we were all thinking it we were like are we going to see an adjustment and by adjustment we all meant when is Rose Lavelle coming <laughs> to this game and apparently everyone including the coaching staff had the same mindset as well and it was immediately immediately into the second half a halftime uh, substitution made for the United States DeMello comes off for Rose Lavelle and we get to see a little bit of a temple change quite quickly in this one. I'm going to go to you first for this, Lisa. Roosevelt getting into this game. What do we see change for this team immediately? Immediately when Roosevelt steps on the pitch, she's in hard in a slide tackle. She dominates at, when the ball is around her and she establishes herself and that's what changes the tempo for this game. Yes, Rose Lavelle is incredibly creative on the ball, and she opens up the space, and she was able to receive it, turn, and and create different channels for her teammates around her. But for me, hands down, it's the hard tackle that she went in about 30 seconds after she subbed on and the second half started. She, she gets a yellow card for that play, but that to me was like the light switch moment where it was like, okay, like this United States team, like are, is this the energy they're going to bring throughout the second half? Because that's the energy they need where they're going hard into tackles. They're not taking no for an answer and they're going to dominate this team. So to me, it's the slide tackle from Rose that set the tone. Jordan, is, yeah. I was going to ask Jordan for you with Rose Lavelle coming in into this game. 
we see her get that heart tackle like Lisa is alluding to. But in terms of what she also provided as an extra outlet for her teammates, what did you see from this player? I was just going to mention, that's not like something we typically start off with with Roosevelt. So I love that that was she added just a different dimension. It was like, all right, we're not going out of this without fighting and I will give you some of the Cincinnati fight. Um, I, I think what's so interesting with Rose Lavelle, and and I think DeMello will get there in a different way, but this is DeMello's third game. And the game cuts at you a lot faster when you're playing with the U.S. national team versus Wales, versus Vietnam, versus Netherlands. Like that game is going to come at you faster. And I think she just got caught on the ball too many times and wasn't making decisions quickly. And the thing that Rose Lavelle does better than I think anybody on the national team is she thinks ahead. She already knows what's coming next. She's thinking about the next play, how she can run out of out of space, not even wanting to get the ball to pull a defender away from the space that then a passing lane can open. She's thinking beyond what's actually happening there. She's playing a game of chess. And I think that that is what changed this game because now they're worried about Rose Lavelle because Rose Lavelle punished them last time she was in a big tournament playing against them. So her movement was starting to manipulate the this really good numbers uh, dominant midfield for the Netherlands. She started being able to pull it apart a little bit with the ball at her feet, but a lot of the times without even the ball near her. And I think that that respect is something that teams have to give her because of who she's proved she is. And she's just so good on the ball. I think that players see things differently too. And Rose is there like the back heel from Alex Morgan. I I don't know the last time I saw Alex Morgan do a back heel, but she back seals it to Rose Lavelle because Rose is making that run. And I think that those are the kind of things that Rose brings is just a different perspective that can help this team who can get in a little bit of a rigid dimension when they go forward. Hey, these are our outlets. This is how we want to play. Rose goes in there and she's like, let's just play guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's point. That's such her attitude. It's like, we're not like, Oh, we're here to have fun, but like, this is a creative outlet for her. And she's able to just dance on the ball and manipulate the game in ways that the first 11 on the pitch didn't do for the United States. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think with players like, you know, young, young first time World Cup players and Smith and Rodman, you want them to be able to feel feed off of that energy and kind of feel, yeah. feel the shift in that tempo and maybe give them a little bit of freedom to also fall into their natural games as well. It yeah. almost sort of felt like this was the game that felt a little bit bigger for those two players, you know, did they have good games against Vietnam? Yeah. I mean, my goodness, Sophia Smith did what she did, but now you're going up against the Netherlands in a group stage match of the world cup. The vibe is going to be incredibly different. It almost felt at moments as if those two players that we know can be exciting, that we know can be creative, that we know can be dynamic, almost at moments where maybe taking too many touches and kind of maybe felt a little bit uncomfortable. And because of that, they were getting dispossessed, you know, when you have a Roosevelt, um, kind of opens things up a little bit or maybe calms things down in a way where you these players mm-hmm. feel like they can fall into their their natural kind of skill set for for the game. I think we get to see Rodman with a little bit more confidence on the ball as well. There's a moment there where we see Sophia Smith just not think and just really get good timing on a ball and let one rip. And it's really a goal line clearance that stops what's okay, ultimately was... going to be a goal for that volley was so 
sweet. <laughs> you hit it. Perfect. Perfect. It was excellent. Yeah, it's it's Perfect. things like that. I think it's not just changing the tempo of the game, right? It's like it's it's firing your teammates a little bit around and you as well. We got to see that, I think. For Sophia Smith's volley that we're talking about, it was instinctual. And that's something that I don't think the United States had until the end of this game, where they weren't trying to like hit the X's and O's that they were planned for, right? That's what I'm talking about when they had this great press that was happening and then when it didn't work anymore, they continued to do it instead of trying different things. We saw them a play with more freedom and instinctuality and where it was just like movement up top and a rhythm and finding players off the ball and understanding where your teammate's going to be and, and slipping that pass through. I think Rose Lavelle obviously has a lot to do with that creativity and, and how it comes from, but – Rodman was, um, I wanted her off the pitch. Uh, I just didn't think that she was giving enough for this team in, in terms of like her defensive work rate, considering how well we've seen Rodman work back, track back, look to make a tackle in after she loses it. She looked a bit fatigued and perhaps that's playing a full 90 minute game in the hot sun against a really physical team. That's going to make you work to own your spot on the field and, and your body positioning. I think she looked tired at the end. She wasn't completing the simple passes. She was trying to do too many things too tricky. Um, I'm shocked that he kept her on the entirety of the game. Well, he didn't make any subs. Yeah. Made- <laughs> yeah. No, we no, I think that was that was maybe the the next sub that we were looking for, but it just never came, right? Maybe a Williams for for Rodman at totally. some point, but it just it just never came. I think maybe to close things out, we should absolutely talk about how this comeback came to life. The equalizer comes by way of a set piece, so maybe this is the silver lining that this team is taking out of this game. And it doesn't come off of any set piece. It comes off of a set piece that takes a while to set up because we see a little bit of fisticuffs take place. You know, maybe not full on, maybe not full on blows, but we see a little pushing and a little shoving going on between her and and her teammate there at Leon. But is this the thing? Is this the catalyst? Is this the moment where you just say, okay, well, just respect will respond and respond in the best way with an equalizer. And it's so much easier said than done. And yet they do it. Rose Lavelle delivers in this clinical service mm-hmm. and it's Lindsay Horan like a magnet to this ball nails this one away and it's level one, one Jordan thoughts. First off, I'm just very happy that Lindsay Horan wasn't injured on that tackle right before this, because the slow-mo did not look good. It did not look good, and I was very happy. I am good friends with Lindsey Horan, and I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I, I don't want this to be the end of her her tournament. It clearly wasn't, and she had something to say about it. There are moments in this silly game that we watch where you just kind of feel like something weird's going to happen. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. When Messi was over the free kick the other night, yep. everybody knew yep. – no way is this going to end in Messi scoring the game-winning goal. After that commotion and the sassy Lindsey Horan and everything that was going on, the weird referee interaction, it was like, oh it's like each other. I don't know what was. I hated it. It was so strange. I hated it. I hated it. It was like beast mode activated. Yeah. 
and yeah, super scion rage because I, you see it happening it was a brilliant header too because she's running so hard towards the near post and it, it's a difficult it's actually easier to flick it like far post than it is to get it to the near post because you have to have this short snappy swing and or like a motion with your body that's more like trunk than it is like your head flicking i loved it it was a great goal by Lindsay. It was the moment that I think everybody's going to look back and say, that's why she's our captain. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking, Jordan. This is why she's wearing the captain's armband. And there's Mm -hmm. been a lot of talk about that. I think even the way that she handled the foul and the tackle, right? Like she went up to her teammate, Danielle Vanderdonk, who she plays with at Lyon. And I, I mean, I don't know what she said to her, but it looked along the lines of like, what the heck? Was it in French, do we think, you guys? Yeah, like, yeah. What are you doing to me? Like, why would you go into a tackle like that? Similar to like how you would do to a friend at training. You're like, why would you go she into didn't a read this. I hope it was like comical. Yeah. I hope exactly. it was like comedy. I just hope it was like pure comedy that came out of her hand. I hope it was like soccer blue, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> how dare you? You know, like, come on. No, but I'm with you. It was, it was, we had a touch on this moment. It's kind of closing thought because it was absolutely the catalyst that kind of mm-hmm. just stole back really all of that momentum. It was a storybook. It was a storybook ending to that. I mean, well, it would have been storybook if they, the U S gets the win, but the sequence of events where it's like the foul, the confrontation, yeah. the, the, intervention with the conference the friendship circle and then like the corner kick it was like all right there's no way like if this was a movie miracle on ice like yeah she's gonna score the header but the fact that it comes to fruition is amazing yeah i'm I'm with you i don't want to dwell too much on on the whole officiating things i'm sure folks have a lot of feelings about it but it was just odd it was just peculiar i don't know and i find out what was said in the netflix documentary about maybe maybe they're gonna gosh now i'm so happy they're doing that for that and maybe they'll talk a little bit about this people a little haven't bit already asked Lindsay and can, yeah. can I just say like my overall takeaway from this game is it's exactly what I wanted to see I wanted the U.S. to be tested I wanted it to be a hard game as to how will they solve an, an opponent's defensive structure that is very different and how would they defend somebody who attacks with a lot of numbers and leaves space uh, expands themselves a little bit more I think they didn't get all the answers that they wanted, or at least they didn't get every answer correct, but they, they got a lot of questions out there and they are able to look at that and adapt and, and um, see how it goes towards the next game. I have a question for both of you after this match and how the U S plays the questions that were asked of them, the, the answers they didn't solve the ones that they did solve. How does this make you feel moving forward? Like uneasy? Are you happy that they had these tests? Like kind of what's like your overall gut feeling for the rest of this tournament that is to come for the U S after this game? You go, Sandra. I liked the response. I'm not going to sit here and act like, you know, the sky is falling. Because the the truth of the matter is, while we're talking about this type of performance and and looking at the different areas to kind of analyze or critique, the the fact of the matter is alongside that adjacent to that, I think we've also been trying to be very fair and say, we've been saying it from the beginning, that this is going to be the greatest World Cup of all time. And that's because of the elevated level of play globally. Right. We were obviously we're looking at this in an American lens and following this United States women's national team. But. We knew going into this one, 
any opportunity to go up against a another top 10 ranked team, it's going to have that feeling of any given Sunday where it could go any which way that any of these top 10 ranked teams could possibly get the better of the other, depending on the scenario. So the fact that Netherlands go up early in this one and we see a response from this team, I think is the bigger takeaway from it. Do you want to get the dub? Do you want all three points? Yeah, absolutely. But it's still the group stage. It's match day two. And you're exiting this game with a draw. And you're still sitting in first place with a game to play. Honestly, probably it's hard. I if the if the US lose that game, I think we probably say yeah. it's it we feel different. But at the at the same time, I feel like tests in the group stage, you have to have these really hard tests. And I think that a lot of the teams that are going to test them later on are not going to be structured like the Netherlands. So they're going to ask some different questions. But that was a really different way. The way that the team set up, I I think I'm pleased with maybe not the whole entire performance, right? I'm not saying that me being pleased with what the, the U.S. learned out of this is me saying that they played the greatest game ever. I don't think they did. But I think what they can go back, and now they're going to have days to prepare for their next game, but they're going to have film on how they adapted to these yep. things. The players are going to have that fresh in their mind. Okay, when when this is happening in the pocket, this is how we can adapt really quickly. And they can make those decisions on the fly. So I think I'm I'm good with what they learned in this match, and I think it's going to prove beneficial moving forward. I think that's perhaps why Black Andonovsky did not make any substitutes aside from the one Rose Lavelle. Can these players problem solve? Figure it out on the pitch, especially uh, Sophia Smith, 22 years old, Trinity Rodman, 21 years old, first World Cup, first time going up against the Netherlands in this type of setting, in this environment and the physicality. Can they problem solve and get out of it? And they did at the end, right? They were getting so many chances. The last 10 minutes, it was like, Looking to get anything on goal at that point, still not being able to finish. But I, I, I think and, that's why he didn't. And stop. I think he has some ideas that he wants to keep in yeah. his back pocket, and he's not showing all his cards or this team's Maybe. cards. And we'll, I, we'll see. We'll so, see. We'll see. So you're only going to have a certain amount of games until you don't anymore. Yeah, so but did they, did they need? Did they need to? It'll all be proved in the next game against Portugal, but I don't think they needed. Once they got the the tying goal, they didn't need the win. So they would have liked the win. So, question for you guys, as I think this out loud. Sorry, I'm doing this live on the stream. So, (laughs) Portugal Vietnam play tonight, or I guess tomorrow morning, depending where you are, three thirty a.m. And the way the bracket shakes out right now, um, the United States is first based on goal differential. The Netherlands is second, Portugal, Vietnam. Um, Depending on what happens with Portugal, Vietnam and and kind of where they jump to, it's going to come down to goal differential with the Netherlands going up against Vietnam and the United States going up against Portugal. Yeah, I believe that the final tiebreakers that would come into play would be goal differential, then right to head, um, and then... Uh, fair play, which is funny because yeah. I believe the U.S. got the yellows in this one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's funny. Sure that's did. funny. Well, well, we'll definitely keep it in the back of our minds on match day three. Uh, do we want to maybe have fun and make a little pick, or do you? What do you want to see 
in match day three against Portugal and give me a pick. We'll go with you first. We think we're going to see the same starting lineup. I hope not. Yeah, that should be our first pick, right? I hope not. I don't think we'll – I think we'll see rotation in the starting lineup. I'm not sure what. Um, I want Rose Lavelle to start. (laughs) But that's the difference between an I want and what I believe will happen with Black Leninovsky. I don't know. I I want Rose Lavelle to start. I think we will see a little bit of rotation, not across the back line. I think it'll still be the same, Ertz and Germa and Dunn and Fox on the outside. Um, I I would like to see Lynn Williams just, like, smell the grass on the field. Please. Please. I'm with you. I want to see this. I'm similar. I'm, I'm with you, Lisa. I want to see a little bit of rotation. I'd love to see a star for Lavelle. I'd love to see one for Williams. Um, I'm going to say 2-0 for, for Portugal. How about you? 3-0. Right on. You like it. I love it. That's a wrap. We're tired. We want to go to bed. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on Attacking Third for our recap edition of the United States Women's National Team against the Netherlands. If you like what you heard, make sure you download, follow, and listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. You can watch us, too. Make sure you tune on into Golasso Network on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays for all your Attacking Third content. We'll be back with even more this week for Sandra Herrera, Jordan Angeli, and Lisa Carlin. This was Attacking Third.